Welcome to episode nine of the Primary Pod. I'm your host, Brian Shackman. Of course, so much of the content for this podcast stems from the show Primary Source, which airs Monday through Friday on New England Cable News, NECN, at 7 p.m. And, of course, I host that show as well. Uh, The show, if you're just joining us on this podcast, focuses primarily on the primaries for Decision 2020. Obviously, we've had to deal a lot with impeachment, and now we deal a lot with Iran. But I would say 60 to 70% every single night deals with primary politics. One candidate who has especially fascinated me for several reasons is Andrew Yang. Uh, If you don't know who he is, he's in his early to mid-40s. I went to an elite high school at Phillips Exeter Academy, an elite college at Brown University, and had a law degree at Columbia and was practicing law briefly and said, this is not for me. He went into some sort of uh, goodwill entrepreneurship and realized one day that it wasn't creating the amount of jobs that he wanted to create. And he woke up one day and said uh, to his wife, uh, I want to run for president and Evelyn, his wife, said, president of what? (laughs) And he said, the president of the United States. And such uh, a humble beginning has led to an odyssey, which has him basically in the top seven of candidates for the Democratic nomination, which is incredible. He raised $16.5 million in the fourth quarter of 2019 and has enough money and resources to probably make it to the convention, but we shall see. Uh, His polling numbers, uh, as high as 10% in one state poll, but usually vacillating between 2 and 6%. Uh, He has outlasted governors and senators and successful business uh, men and women, and it it is incredible. Uh, Personally, we share the same high school alma mater at Phillips Exeter Academy, so I initially took an interest in him, as I did with Tom Steyer. But the fact that he has this base of people called the Yang Gang uh, that are so passionate, they rival uh, people with Donald Trump, Bernie Sanders. They are that passionate. They may be smaller in numbers, uh, but they are as passionate. So I've followed him a great deal in New Hampshire, and I recently caught up to him and sat down on some very specific issues. And because uh, he's been a businessman and a personal, just a citizen of this world, and if you who are listening were about to run for president and, and, and there was a, <laughs> a general in Iran was murdered and you had to make that decision, or you had to decide whether to retaliate against missile attacks against uh, an enemy like Iran, what would you do? And a lot of times... These people have zero experience. Listen, until you're president, you have no real foreign policy experience, even if you're a VP or a senator, because if you haven't been president, you haven't been president. So the first thing I talked about with Andrew is what does he do? What's the process that he goes through when he has to come up with an answer like, what would you do with Iran? I'm happy to have a number of incredible people advising me on foreign policy, including Ian Bremmer. And so... I have calls with them when something unfolds, and often I'm happy to say it aligns with my own opinion and judgment on how we would best approach a problem. On foreign policy, to me, we need to listen more to the American people. 75% of Americans want nothing to do with a war in Iran. We need to push the power to declare war back to Congress where it belongs in the Constitution. So you, you go to these people like an Ian Bremmer, you say, this is my instinct in terms of reaction because I'm going to get asked about it. And then you have a back and forth and then you just hone the message. Yeah, that's exactly right. You might remember Donald Trump was asked this question 
I'm pretty sure during Decision 2016 and said, you know, watches a lot of TV, talks to his friends, and then follows his instincts. And Andrew Yang, uh, he does seem to ha- – this is his least comfortable zone, right? On the economy, he's so good. He has a universal basic income, and he knows about the impact of technology on labor. Uh, that's his strength. Domestic issues, definitely his strength because he does it all through an economic lens and a hu- human lens. Like humanity first is his his thing. Um, and so he has some work to do here, but he has the right process. Someone like Ian Bremmer decades of experience in this realm, uh, which shows you, uh, whether you support them or not, uh, a logical progression about how to get good advice, merge that with instincts, and then make a decision. Uh, The other thing we talked about, many things we discussed, is the debate in Iowa. Uh, Only five candidates likely will be on stage. Uh, There's only been a handful of polls since the holiday. It's like every major polling organization gave their whole staff both holidays off and in two weeks and and there were no polls, which is very unfair because people who did well on that previous debate wanted to get that momentum and try to make it onto the debate stage. So Tom Steyer, not qualified. Andrew Yang, not qualified because of polling. They have the donor thresholds, but not the polling. And so he originally, Andrew Yang, was looking at it through uh, the lack of diversity. Right now, the five people on stage, uh, you have obviously the, the top four in Pete Buttigieg, Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, and Joe Biden, along with Amy Klobuchar, all white. Initially, the pushback was there's no diversity. It was supposed to be the most diverse Democratic field ever, and there's no diversity in this debate. But now it's just a question of fairness. Well, we're making our case directly to voters here in New Hampshire and in Iowa, and my campaign is growing faster than any other. Where we raised $16.5 million in the fourth quarter, 65% more than in the previous quarter. So while we'd love to be on the debate stage if there were polls actually seeing what people thought here in New Hampshire, at this point we can talk directly to voters, we have the resources to do so, and we're going to be on the go from now until voting. But it does hurt. I mean, not being on the stage is is not a positive, right? I mean, you'd rather be on the stage than off it. Of course. Uh, We've been thrilled to make every debate up to this point, and we'd be on this debate stage if we just had more polls that show our continued growth here in New Hampshire and in other parts of the country. You've done a lot of creative things, whether it's taking questions for 24 hours straight or doing what what have you. Do you have any idea what you're going to do on debate night to try to counter-program? Yeah, the the team is working on some counter-programming possibilities if we don't get the polls um, this week. See, you won't tell me now. Yeah, genuinely, we have a few different uh, paths to take. So I couldn't even tell you if I wanted to. (laughs) The question is, what is the DNC supposed to do, right? I mean, if they all of a sudden changed and just let everybody in, then all the the candidates who quit because they couldn't get in the debate stage, would I mean, they'd be really unfair. At the same time, Andrew Yang has enough support and most likely deserves to be on that debate stage. So if you're not going to have many polls after that last debate, it's, it is truly unfair. And I'm not saying that I, I don't support any candidates. I think it's unfair for Cory Booker. I think it's unfair for Tom Steyer. I think it's unfair for all of them because they're still in the race. They have the donors. And because there's been so few polls, if there were 15 polls between the last debate and now and they didn't qualify... I think I'd be much more comfortable. You can argue whether there's some sort of racial, gender, whatever bias there might be in polling. I don't know. But if there were more polls, I'd be more comfortable with the situation. To have just a handful, less than five qualifying polls, I think, uh, leading up to this debate is, is 
seems to be unfair and the DNC decided not to change the rules and not to have their own polling to make up the gap. And so they have made their decision that this is how they are going to go forward. Um, Andrew Yang, if, if you don't know the Yang Yang, he sells so many math hats, uh, Make America Think Harder, and gear is this huge part. I mean, he sold millions of dollars worth of stuff uh, to help fund the campaign. And, you know, we've talked about Andrew Yang so much on the show because he's such a fresh face, not a career politician, extremely bright with universal basic income and all these different things he's bringing to the table. He talks about the automation of jobs is what's killing uh, our economy in certain pockets of this country and that we need to reconfigure our economy. It's not just about retraining. We really have to reconfigure our economy to succeed in the 21st century. Just an incredible voice in the conversation, right? But at the same time, he's playing hoops. He's getting celebrities to endorse him. And on the show, Primary Source, we've had a lot of people say, you know what? He just likes the celebrity part of it. And it got me to thinking, after like four or five people said this to me, I said, is that really true? So I put the question directly to him. That's so interesting. So I've been running for president for the better part of two years now. And certainly anyone who is in it for the wrong reasons um, would not have campaigned in Iowa, New Hampshire 24 times each when no one had ever heard of you. I don't care about anything but solving the problems of the American people. I'm a parent first and foremost and a patriot. I just want to help move the country forward. Uh, You can take or leave the rest of it. I'm actually very uh, uninterested in ceremony and a bunch of those things. Of course, the odds of Andrew Yang winning the nomination and, and becoming president, I mean, let's be honest, it, the odds are long. It's not impossible, but the odds are long. And I think the reason why people slap the celebrity label is that maybe they think he knows he can't win, which may be true. Uh, and I think, But I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that he's enjoying himself. What a privilege, and I've talked to him enough to know he truly takes it as a privilege to be able to talk to people every day who are interested in what's going on or interested in him and his message. And it's a privilege to be able to do that and and to touch the lives of thousands of people is pretty awesome. And he's found a way to do it uh, with a process that he enjoys and he's energized by it. I don't think that means he doesn't want to be president. I think it means he's enjoying the process. And at the end of the day, With Andrew Yang's money and his support, if he doesn't win, he's got a chance to speak at the convention. His support may sway things. He may be able to determine who gets the nomination with his support. If he puts his support, his 5% support behind somebody, maybe that's enough to carry them over the top. Maybe in the next administration, uh, he's the Secretary of Labor if it's a Democrat who wins the election. Or maybe he's a vice presidential candidate. It's not beyond the realm of possibility that that happens. So... Um, just because uh, he, he enjoys the process and likes it and gets energy from it and has some fun with it, it doesn't mean he doesn't want to be president. It doesn't mean he just wants to be a celebrity, but <laughs> he clearly likes doing it. So I, I don't know why that would be a, a negative. You, you know, the other thing I wanted to talk about in terms of enjoyment, he gets to interact with celebrities so much. I mean, it's amazing. I don't know if it's his libertarian side or the human side, but a lot of people in Hollywood have gravitated to Andrew Yang. And I don't know if you are aware that Dave Chappelle is going to perform two shows in South Carolina for Andrew Yang. And that blew me away. I mean, I'm 48 years old, so I'm Gen X. I don't know. I feel like Dave Chappelle is a star across several groups, and he's become so socially conscious and 
very political in his comedy if you watch any of his specials. So uh, the question was, how did you get Dave Chappelle to do this for you? So I'm thrilled to say that Dave's team reached out to our team and uh, they were thrilled to put the two of us together. We sat down and met, talked about his concerns about the country and what we need to do for the next generation. Dave's a dad like I am. Uh, and then after we met, he said, look, uh, I want to help and what can I do to help? And of course, on our side, we were like, we'll be thrilled to have your help, Dave. And so we asked him which of the early states that he might want to perform a couple shows to benefit the campaign. He chose South Carolina, which seemed like a perfect fit. Uh, so we're going we're gonna to be announcing those dates very shortly, um, but that's the way it came together. And I've been a huge Dave Chappelle fan my entire adult life. I quote from his skits <laughs> periodically. Uh, and so to me, he's one of the premier artistic voices of this generation and we're thrilled to have him as part of the campaign. Will it be a type of thing where it's like a free show and everyone can come and then get a part of the Yang experience or do you have like a nominal ticket fee and that goes to the campaign? Have you figured out what, how you're going to do that? It looks like it's going to be a nominal ticket fee and, and it goes through to the campaign. So celebrity endorsements, maybe they make an appearance or two, that's one thing. Maybe they tweet out or do some Instagram posting for you. Who knows what they do and a lot of times uh, celebrity endorsements in Hollywood is tends to lean left, right? Uh, it doesn't seem to make a difference. If George Clooney says he supports you, it doesn't necessarily get you votes. That is for sure. But if you attract thousands of people in South Carolina and you're on stage with Dave Chappelle and Dave Chappelle says, you got to vote for this guy, he doesn't have a big operation in South Carolina. If he does okay in Iowa and does well in New Hampshire, maybe Dave Chappelle gets him you know, 5% plus in South Carolina. Maybe that's enough to propel him into Super Tuesday and come up with a fourth place, third place. Who knows? If you want to work on a path to success, maybe not victory, but a path to further support and more power within the democratic process, Dave Chappelle could make a difference. Whereas it's not the case, in my opinion, with like a George Clooney type thing, because Dave Chappelle's going to go out there. He's going to be in front of thousands of fans who want to see him and for a specific purpose, not just like, look at me, I'm a star, I like this guy. He's going to do a show for them. And he gets millions to do this stuff, and he's going to do it for the benefit of the Yang campaign. You know, the, the one thing I wanted to end with, because the I, I, I don't know about you, but I always wondered, you know, what would I be like as a candidate? Should I sometimes use my time, energy, passion, and personality to run for office? There's a lot of things we can do with our time. And so... He gets to go around the country and talk to people and try to convince them that his plan is the best plan for America. But I know from traveling as a journalist, it's a very unhealthy life. I, I will tell you that getting off the road was a huge priority for me once I had children. And it's just, it's just a tough way to, to live, right? And he's been on the campaign trail not for months, but over, over a year, right? And so I asked him if he's, he's found that groove and a way to, to stay healthy. And then after that, you'll hear from a supporter who had an original math hat, Make America Think Harder. He got it signed, and then he got to hang with Yang. Uh, you have to adapt. So I'm glad I'll be playing basketball a little bit later today as part of a media appearance, because at least I'll get, get a little bit of hoops in. Um, you have to drink a lot of water and green tea in my case, uh, a lot of vitamins, try and cut down on the snacks in the car because you're in the car an awful lot. So it, it is not the healthiest lifestyle, 
uh, but I'm super pumped up and energized because this is the best possible version of January we could ask for. We have a chance to make history and win this whole thing. So I feel like a million bucks. I feel 100% and ready to go. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you, Brian. Appreciate it. So and yes, if he's not OG, he's damn close. I'm close. I'm close. <laughs> and we met a guy with the five. You, you right there with the? It was a guy with the first five hundred. Yeah, that yeah. thing. Look at this. This hat is actually navy blue, but it does not look that it. That is at OG. First, at first, I thought this was a marijuana math hat that was green <laughs> because it looks more green gray. But it turns out this was one of the first five hundred. It's almost navy twelve hats. months right there. Is the signature still the same? Or no, I just signed this just now. <laughs> <laughs> but the first five hundred is legit. Like we literally, you're touching it. we literally <laughs> sold the first five hundred of these in less than half an hour. So this man was literally like there. The oh, first the email half an came hour. out uh, first minute. Bam. Yeah, yeah, you got it done. Like literally, it was 22 minutes. We sold the first 500 math hats because we didn't even know if the math hat was going to be a thing. So then the team was like, "Well, let's just sell 500 and see what happens." And then 22 minutes later, they're all gone. And now we've sold two and a half million dollars worth wow. of math hats. So this man, <laughs> this man helped fuel the ascent. And for Andrew Yang, it is an ascent. We just don't know how high he will go. But if you are looking for American dream type stories, take a young man, relatively, who had a successful career, has a beautiful family, and he decided one day to go for it all out of nowhere, out of nothing. And last quarter, he raised $16.5 million. He gets hundreds and thousands of people to come out to his events. And if he's not going to be the Democratic nominee, he will have a say in who it is. And someday he may be in a cabinet if he doesn't get the nomination. That is pretty incredible. Thank you for listening to Episode 9 of Primary Pod. I'm Brian Shackman.